The title of today's uh, Dharma talk is Dogen's Enlightenment. Dogen was the founder of the Soto lineage, Buddhism, in Japan in the 13th century, after he went to China, studied with his teacher there. <clears throat> and he wrote uh, quite a bit. He wrote the Shobogenzo, quite long, it's hundreds and hundreds of pages, and then also the, the uh, Ehe Koroku, which is the extended record, which are more talks and commentaries. And I've not read all of that, but I read some. I think we're studying that at, uh, on Wednesday at the at Soto Goji. So <coughs> talk a little bit about that. I'm happy to respond to questions about anything, not just this, but anything else to do with Buddhism or meditation. So Dogen uh, was a really powerful teacher in that he he was able, uh, even at a very young age, he attained realization, apparently when he was in his early 20s, which is quite unusual. And one of the ways that he talked about enlightenment, delusion, the whole idea of the path, was to say that one of the things he said is, is helpful if you contemplate it for a while, that Buddhas are enlightened about the delusion, but sentient beings are deluded about enlightenment. So in other words, someone who is caught in the, in the wheel of samsara as, a, as an apparent individual en entity grasps, rejects, accepts, uh, refuses, basically is a, on some kind of even a low level of warfare with everything, trying to build up, substantiate, protect, encourage, advance uh, um, an idea of themselves as a separate being, whereas Buddhas don't do that. For them, it's everything is already the case. Everything is already complete, and there isn't anything else that's needed. So it seems to be necessary for us to work with our mind in a way, using sitting practice of meditation, that we can slowly over over time in in consort or in in um, in relationship to our own um, confusion and in in relationship to our own wisdom. At the same time, this means not necessarily correcting yourself on something, but don't miss it either. So it isn't like, well, I don't have to think about that. That's delusion. Or that's okay because of because of because. That's passion. Or I hate that. I wish I wouldn't do that. I've got to get rid of that. I've got to stop that. That's aggression. Those are the three poisons. And all I'm saying is, well, for one, is to don't do that. But when I say that, we all know that you can't help but do some of that. Your favorite one might be ignorance, or you might make excuses for everything, or explain everything, which is passion. Or you might just just be along, going along really fine, and everything is great, and you like this, you don't like that, and you get along with everyone, but every now and then, something triggers you, and you explode. You get very angry. So the idea there that Dogen talks about in Shobogenzo and other places is one of the very simple idea that you can actually contemplate yourself and about your life and about how you personally function because each person in here has their own. We're not all sitting in a monastery like he was in the 13th century. He was apparently was sitting there probably with a, a bunch of teenagers whose parents had sent them to the monastery to be trained because they were having difficulty with them more than likely. And he was happy to take them in, ordain them as monks, and teach them. And we don't know how many there were. I think there's probably some record of that somewhere. There were probably dozens, if not more. And so one of the ways that he taught uh, was to say that when you go out towards, when you move out towards your world, towards the apparent space that you live in, this is called when you go out towards things and manipulate things, push things, lift things up, set them down, with some kind of intention to modify, change, not accept, accept, reject, and all of this. This is called a delusion. But when you when you sit back, uh, I'm not talking about fall over or go to sleep. But when you when you hold your seat and you allow the world in the form of everything, including uh, other people that you are get along with very well, that are you're on very much on the same wavelength. You can talk, you can communicate. Communication is very easy. And also, you uh, you meet people that are extremely difficult and trigger the, the difficulty in you that you have not probably not seen yet. 
one of the favorite ways that each of us handle our negativity is to blame someone for it. We actually think that what we're feeling is someone has done that to us. And I'm not saying that there isn't a relative situation going on <clears throat> that has a vast basis in, uh, you could call it lifetimes, you could call it just uh, the, the inseparability of one thing from another that goes into uh, infinite space, infinite time. Yeah. Whatever is arising, if you do nothing, nothing, but if you just hold still, if you just watch what's moving, you will see exactly what needs to occur. Because if whatever's occurring, if you think that shouldn't occur, you've just separated yourself from reality, from eternity, from enlightenment, and you, you, you're on some kind of limited little war path. Maybe you don't have war paint on, but some kind of agenda about something else, someone else, something else. And I'm telling you, as a Dharma teacher, and when you come in this room and sit in this semicircle, or when you uh, look at the, the computer screen in some other location, I'm telling you, just observe. This is what this training is about, what Shikantaza is. Just sit down, hold still, watch what moves. And in this way, you get better and better at seeing what is just moving in your life, what is coming at you what is, seems to be apparently fighting with you or giving you a hard time. But no one is coming up to you, uh, the image I sometimes use, and pouring a bucket of negativity into you. That is your, whatever you feel, that is your feeling. I'm not saying it's yours in terms of some kind of ego, but it is yours and that it is your, that your matrix, your consciousness, your spirit, you could say, your Buddha nature. So again, going out towards some kind of an agenda, it's not that you can't, Take out the trash, do the dishes, mow the lawn, start a business. But the basic understanding needs to be, as you're doing that, everything that is happening should be received, not, not necessarily pushed over another direction because it wasn't going along with your uh, apparent agenda. When I say don't plan or plan, I say, how do you know it's a plan? Because it doesn't work. Well, you have to change just about everything we plan. We have to change it somewhere, sometime, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, three days. And so this doesn't mean yeah. <clears throat> don't plan at all. It means that keep that keep that planning situation yeah. to yeah. to what is what just arises and comes toward you. You're sitting. You need to do something else. Something else is in mind. And if you'll notice, if you hold your seat, that the plan, whatever maybe you could call it a plan or not, starts to show up as it's almost like a roadmap or something appears in front of you. Especially if you don't strategize. As soon as you start strategizing. All of your vision comes down to what? Comes down to focusing on that. And what is focusing on that? It's ignoring everything else. The very nature of consciousness is uh, on receive, unless you start to get frightened or hopeful. Hope and fear are, and, and I'm not just the only one who's saying this, but in the tradition going back way before this person appeared, are the uh, referred to as, as the, are bandits. They steal your wisdom mind. Because you start to get hopeful, you abandon your wisdom mind. You start to get fearful, you abandon your wisdom mind. That which sees clearly. The, the, one, of the, another one of the teachings uh, um, that Dogen talks about is again, or actualizing the fundamental point. What is the fundamental point? My way of saying it. He didn't say this that I know of. As I said, I didn't read, read everything he wrote. But nothing is separate. And if you, if you see that nothing is separate, it doesn't mean everything is one. I'm saying everything is smushed together. When you see nothing is separate, then you you see how incredibly separated everyone is from each other. It's an astonishing situation to see how to see that nothing is separate is actually to see the separation that is your skin, that is your your physical manifestation of, of a bundle of nerve endings ending up in the hearing, the smelling, the tasting, the touching, the thinking. All should be on receive. Nerve endings don't do anything. Just receive. How does this feel? Feeling, feeling, seeing, seeing, smelling, smelling, tasting, thinking, thinking, thinking. Receive thoughts. Don't necessarily produce them. A little bit. There's some kind of production that needs to happen, but that production, if you wait, if you have some patience, could come out of an entirety of the situation. It could, could come out because if it's just the next thing that needs to happen. You might find yourself thinking quite extensively about some particular situation. Yeah, you do. You know.
So uh, if you have questions about the, about this, I'd be happy to respond or we just go ahead. Um, when you talk about um, waiting for the world, allowing the world to come to us, but in terms of codependent rising, um, I feel myself moving when I'm waiting for the world to come. So okay. what does the, in terms of watching what moves, what does waiting for the world to come to you actually look like? Uh, it, it may start as waiting, but it's like, it's not like waiting in a, waiting where, where you're going, not like being in the doctor's office and your appointment's at two o'clock and it's, you know, it's uh, wishing three o'clock and you're starting to think about the staff, you're starting to think about the doctor, him or herself or themselves. You start to get into some kind of strategy or analysis or interpretation or about that. So it's not exactly waiting. It's waiting, but it's not waiting for something. It's just holding still. I'm not sure if I'm responding as directly to your question as you would like. If you'd like a more direct response, then paraphrase yourself. When you said it, what I noticed was my movement out to go towards the world. And stop. Watching the movement is what should happen. If you just watch the movement, if you try to correct it, then you've actually misunderstood. So just watch the movement. That's very hard to do because if you're just watching, if, if you're all about awareness of what is occurring, of what is in motion, then the self-centeredness that has not been examined, that has not been seen through, the me, me, me feeling that you still think is somebody, you think still think is, can be threatened, that you still think can, can, can succeed or fail, then that starts to vibrate and starts to, you start to get a little uneasy and then we want to modify something. So let's go ahead. With that word vibration, um, you talk about that resonance where yes. this happens and this happens. Yes. And they seem to happen simultaneously. Yes. Um, so um, I would like more clarity as to how to observe the world moving without shutting down and how I'm moving towards the world. So, probably know that this is coming, but uh, you need to watch this shutting down without, without fiddling with it, without trying to be a more healthy ego. You need to, and this, is, this can be embarrassing. It can be embarrassing to actually begin to see how, uh, what a strong self-centered agenda you have about things that is not necessarily based on uh, uh, a reciprocal or a, a harmonious uh, interaction with the world around you. So, and seeing that, witnessing that and seeing that and not pushing it, to get rid of it, not fluffing it up to justify it or explain why it's happening, which will cause more circles to happen, uh, and not shutting down to distract yourself into something else, just observing that uh, is the path. <clears throat> the, ground is, the ground path in tradition, the threefold logic of this whole path is suffering, is the ground. If you weren't suffering, you wouldn't be here. It's not particularly fun. Yes? What is it that, it seems like something happens, um, like boredom happens, and that triggers a going out instead of letting things come in. Um, it's like a response almost to, well, allow, I feel like I'm allowing things to come in, and then, and then boredom comes and that seems to trigger going out. Is it just a matter of watching that yes, happen? It is. And boredom, the downside of boredom, boring, you know that. But the upside of boredom is that is an indication that you're slowly weaning yourself away from uh, entertainment. So the thing that most uh, fifth graders don't want to do, you know, both children and, and adults too, want to have some kind of input all the time. Sometimes they're called hobbies. And it's, if we're not, not here to say anyone should stop doing something they enjoy at all. That's, you know, we have to all move to the mountaintop and never do anything else again other than just uh, contemplate our mind. But just watching, go ahead. I see the boredom seems to, for me, seems to get in the way of, of allowing things. When you're sitting? Um, when I'm sitting, when I'm not sitting. Okay. Um, so I, the way I would respond to that is uh, to encourage you to just watch the boredom. And if you can, <clears throat> see if you can find the edge of that awareness that's that's very clear and precise and just apparent, just uh, uh, precisely this, that also has boredom rising out. See if you can find a, a corner of that. It's almost like they're finding a, a piece of paper on a tabletop. It's almost like finding that or getting that corner to stand up so you can pull that away. 
just a just a metaphor, but it's like finding the edge of the boredom so you can pull away that the name boredom. Don't want to get rid of the feeling or something, but set the name aside because the name is covering up what it actually is. You're actually something arises, you're calling it something spontaneously. I'm not saying you have a plan to you know, wait till that boredom comes up again and nail it. It's like you're you're naming it. And I would say if you can, just gently, and this may, if someone is doing this, they this you may work on this for weeks, months, to, to because it needs to be done very um, precisely. Uh, it needs to be done in such a way that there's no there's no particular warfare going on, and you're just sliding that away, and then you're looking at the can of worms or whatever that may be the the difficulty that's underneath. There's a whole lot of entertainment going on underneath that may. And the boredom actually is a cover-up for uh, your prajna. It's, like it's cover-up that so that you don't have to see the way that under the surface you're, you're operating out of open fear. Please. You see me? You see what I'm saying? No. How do you see me? You see me? Good. Thank you. Further question on that? Yes. Um, so after you answered my question, um, I felt how... The world is moving out of me. I'm thinking of yoga chakra. Um, I'm I'm confused as to what it's pointing to when it's pointing to the world moving towards me. I feel a self-centeredness about that. You just this. <clears throat> what it is is uh, uh, put everything on receive. In other words, the two the two ways I talk about uh, generosity are uh, giving and receiving. But I don't talk about it in, uh, in the way it's talked about in. Uh, Teaches seven points of mind training or the Vasudhi Deva, perfectly valid way of doing this. If you want to do it that way, then there are ways there. The way I say is give, the giving part, give everything your attention. And then when something starts to move, if it starts to move towards you, no matter what it is, receive it. So give and receive. That, those happen at the same time. As soon as you look at something, you're giving your attention, you're in immediately, is there just the innate generosity of, of the ultimate situation? Yes. Is the boredom then lack of generosity? <laughs> but it's not something you can, you know, you already are generous. We all are. Unthreatened, unhopeful, and unthreatened. You're just present. Open fear are extra. Open fear, past and future are extra. It's just, that's just the dynamic that we use to, to help concretize or materialize this incredible spiritual path that we're all on. As has been said before, we are physical beings, because we're these sense fields, uh, having a, a spiritual experience. And we are also spiritual beings having a physical experience. And so however you want to work by the way, yes. I don't know that. It's not knowledge. It's not knowledge in the, in the general sense of information. I see it. It's like, I see you. That's how, how do I know you're sitting there? I see you. Good question. Keep coming. It's, it's, if it's relative knowledge, it can disappear. If it's relative knowledge, it can be dis, you can disagree with it. You can actually argue with it. But, you know, try to argue with me about anything. I sometimes say in a way, come get me. I'm not saying deliberately be mean because if you're, if you're, I can tell what you're up to. If you're deliberately mean, you can be deliberately mean back. But if you, when I say come get me, you mean ask me questions that are coming out of your understanding what this is and the way you are dealing with hope and fear, suffering, and just anything that's so different with each person. I talk to everyone here a little bit, some people a lot, and, and the confusion has to be seen. I can sit and watch what is happening with you, and I, and I wait for an opportunity to see if I have some permission, because if I don't have permission, then there's just a wall, you know, it's not time, so there has to be some kind of opening. That's why we sit so much. So that we can begin to really receive everything. Give your attention, receive, receive. What do you mean by what is spiritual? Hmm? What, is, what, is, what do you mean by spiritual? Ultimate nature. It doesn't come, doesn't go. It hasn't been born, can't die. It's, it's space and time are illusions. And that's available now. You don't have to go to a mountaintop. You don't have to go to Nepal. Or India, or study under some lama somewhere. You don't even have to study under me. Just realize it. 
as the Trump or Jay once said, the reason you need a teacher is so you can leave the teacher. This doesn't mean you're necessarily going to physically leave the teacher, but you see that you're not separate from the teacher. That's how you leave the teacher. You see that you never, your mind and the mind of the, the teaching person are not separate. Yeah. Um, spiritual isn't a word that's unique to Buddhism. It's, and some people say they're spiritual but not religious. So what is what is a spirituality that's common to different religious traditions or spiritual? Well, quite often it's based on, 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 the, on the, 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 the contrast. Buddhism is not that case. And mostly, some areas where it may be, but it's built on heaven and hell. You know, you go to heaven, you don't want to go to hell. It was built on strong polarity because it's an acknowledgement of their life and then their death. So, oh my gosh, what's going to happen when we die? We see that as two different things. But, but you know, someone who is awake, or as we're talking about, enlightened and clear about what this is, is not another state. It's this state. They're fearless because, they're, because nothing can, it's not that the body can't collapse, but you're not going anywhere. Who you actually are. It doesn't come into manifestation, can't pass out of manifestation. So it's always the case. And it's, this is what Kenjo Kohan, or actualizing the fundamental point, means see what this is fundamentally, below or within or as anything that's arising. Form. A little bit of a tangent, the same word. What? It seems like there's so many people that use the word spiritual, and you could be talking apples and oranges. So how, you know, as, as Buddhists, how... Don't talk about it. Don't talk. Don't use. Listen. Give everything, everyone, everyone, especially the people that say how spiritual they are. Quite often they're full of shit. I mean, I don't mean that critically. I mean it descriptively. Big difference. I'm not saying, I'm not saying they're evil, bad, Anything. I'm just saying they're they're just full of themselves, and they they and they're so full of themselves they don't know what to do with it, so they invent stuff to lecture you about or tell you about. And uh, we, as as uh, practitioners and meditators, who are trying to understand the fundamental nature of what this reality is and what the rest of the reality is, uh, need to give them our our uh, our attention and receive whatever is coming. This doesn't mean let them push you over, or, or you know. Take your freedom away, lock you up, or something. So I'm sure you all have noticed that people talk about that in different ways. People there are people in some more theistic religious situations who actually they think they they know the truth and they've got some kind of handle on everything. And okay, there are some Buddhists that feel that way, and they're also full of that same dark matter. What is it to receive? Uh, don't object. So it's, it, it's receiving and receiving and receiving. That's the path. Giving your attention is the path. Receiving is the path. But when nothing is separate anymore, then there's nothing to give, nothing to receive. There isn't anyone but you. There isn't anyone but them. Or there isn't any, anything but this, as it is. Uh, sometimes called suchness. Sometimes called actualizing the fundamental point. Genjokon. Sometimes called Tathagatagarbha. All the other fancy words that down through the centuries people who have understood something about this uh, quite often give it a name. And sometimes the name is the name enlightenment is just a name, yes. How does giving and receiving lead to no separation? Uh, giving your attention and receiving, and then also training your mind to be clear about that, to be as clear as possible about whatever you're receiving. So, so you eventually will see that what you're receiving is just yourself. You're not separate. This is a this is an incredibly vast spiritual dimension that, that is showing up in this real fine layer of reality uh, called physical form. But it's it's and, and you can't you can't know it as knowledge. If you know it as knowledge, then everything collapses down into philosophy or psychology or any any kind of mundane. No matter how elevated, how many PhDs there are stacked up. So you, yes. What kind of knowing is it? It's not knowing. It's just the knowing. It's a non, non-referential. You don't need a reference point if you don't see anything other than uh, what you are, who you are, and you're unthreatened. I mean, it's, it's a not knowing. I don't know what else to say it, but it's it's not. But you can't try to do that. You have to start out with. You have to follow the path, follow the instructions. If in fact you're a student of this teaching, 
That's why the Buddhist teaching started 2,500 years ago. It's not that it didn't start three million years ago somewhere, or 20 minutes ago, uh, 200 billion light years from now, or 200 billion light years away. So if you do not know, you can experience that if the easiest way to experience is sit down on a cushion and uh, strike the bell and don't strike it again for four hours. So what I call block sitting. Sit down, strike the bell, sit there, look at the wall. Don't add, don't subtract, don't divide. No math. Just watch what moves of its own, on its own, or doesn't move. Just watch that. Just receive, you give whatever moves your attention and whatever, whatever emotion rises up, whatever resentment rises up, whatever jealousy rises up, whatever fear rises up, just observe. Don't add anything to it. Absolutely not even a, don't even touch it. And also don't look away from it. And then that is your, that's your path. It might be five years, it might be 20 years, or it might be really, really time consuming. It might be several lifetimes. Yes? Is everyone giving attention in the same way? I don't know. Probably not. I think I think each person's whole dynamic is so so much different. Some some people are very very auditory. I mean, they, they they can't. Some people can't. Don't have really strong let's say ability to actually visualize something to see something in their imagination. But if it's to do with sound, they're all about that. They understand it and they can not always receive it. They can reproduce it. Sometimes they're called musicians and, and sometimes not. Yes. Giving that attention. Who, who, what is the attention? The, 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 the ego mind, it starts out as the ego who, who wants to be enlightened. So ego doesn't know this, can't go to its own funeral. This is a metaphor that uh, Trump or Rinpoche used. Uh, but at the same time, uh, to take it to a, another uh, level or understanding, uh, the ego isn't even going to die because it's not real. But that's what it feels like. It feels like it wants to it wants to be along for the ride. It wants to be, quite often, that's where we start, certainly where I started, is when I, you know, reading, uh, in 1960, reading something on Buddhism and thinking, I think this would be a good thing for me. To, I wonder if I'm going to do this. There was like half a dozen books in commercial, regular commercial bookstores on Buddhism. And so just, um, everyone's going to do that a little bit differently. Just like some people med- meditate for two or three hours a day, and some people meditate for 20 minutes, some people meditate for... Uh, 30 minutes twice a week. And some people don't meditate at all, but they're still looking at this. There's no correct and incorrect about any of it. People are just doing what they need to do in their situation. With me urging them to keep going more. Giving something your attention free will. What do you mean by free will? What do you mean by free? Or what do you mean by will? Aren't you a communicator? Or you have a PhD in communication? Tell me what those are. Aren't you sewing a robe to become a monk? Boy, that was a mistake, wasn't it? But it's free. Am I really choosing? No, no, you're not. It just looks like it. But go ahead and look like you're choosing. Continue to look like you're choosing. Not actually, in actuality, there isn't anyone. It's, it's an astonishing realization to realize there isn't a separate being anywhere. And it is not lonely. What is it? Alone. There isn't anyone but you. But it's not even a you. You're, you're not a person. But you're showing up, uh, each person in here is showing up a- as an apparent separation. It's an astonishing thing to realize. And, uh, you know, I, I don't meet people that realize this. I meet people that want to realize it. And I'm all about whatever life I have left to encourage them as much as I can to find out who you are before this body collapses. Because when it collapses, dies, uh, you're going back into the mix. And there's no guarantee you'll be born in the time of uh, the Buddhist teaching. There's no guarantee that you won't be born as a black child in Somalia. There's no guarantee of anything. There's no guarantee. We don't know the, the causes and conditions that got us all into this lifetime. It's pretty good karma, you might say. But then now that it's here, while you're alive, please take advantage of it. Find out who you are. You don't even have to be a Buddhist. You don't have to sell a robe. I think it helps to officially have a teaching person that you're going to talk to or relate to on some level. I'm probably the easiest one you can find. A lot of real mean teachers out there. So it, it, it kind of appears like like free will. It kind of appears like you're deciding to go and sit. You're deciding to sit for the thing. You're deciding. And it, and it should. We're not trying to get rid of that. It's just about being aware of that. Notice how the self-centeredness 
uh, sometimes needs some kind of feedback. It's getting tiring. I don't know if I can do this anymore. And then there's other times where uh, you don't really need any feedback. You have some kind of some kind of inspiration that's just coming out of out of the ether. This is called bodhicitta, mind awakening. Bodhi awake chitta mind. It's a Sanskrit word that's been around for you know a long time. Or bodhicitta, that's when you drop down your thinking mind, rise up out of your fearful gut into your heart. It's not a feeling. You actually know out of your heart. All religions eventually talk about this at some point, in some way. Are you with me? <laughs> Further question? Yes. You say the mind of the student and the mind of the teacher are the same. Is the sameness that um, spaciousness you talked about outside the thin layer of reality we live in? Is that the mind? Paraphrase your question. Is the spaciousness surrounding us the mind? Spaciousness is the mind, but it's not necessarily surrounding anything. What it is is not separate from anything. For a while, as we as we give things our attention and as we as we observe, it looks like things are happening over there, and things are happening in here, and things are happening in a kind of space. So we watch the space, watch the thing, watch the phenomenon, watch the space, and at some point, or some, it's not at a point in time. <clears throat> From the point of view of this, we just have to use language. I'm going to use it. There really isn't any anything like that. There isn't any. You don't you actually realize that you realize non not to non-duality, Advaita is the fancy Sanskrit word. You actually realize that everything you thought was two different things are not separate from each other. And so the Japanese uh, sutra we're doing, Tokyo's uh, uh, on mine, but after six months we changed back to doing Sandoka, which is the, the equality of sameness and difference. Things are the same and they're different, and that's equality. Difficult, it's a difficult way to talk about it, but we have to talk about it. We have to talk about it some way, so we use relative stuff form. The minds are not separate. Yeah, there, there really isn't. It's not separate. It's also not one. Because if you say it's one, as soon as you say it's one, then there's a, someone saying it's one. And then there's the oneness that is, has to be somewhere. And so it's in the middle of something that's not one. So you, you set up a, a duality. So... Don't claim anything. <laughs> is it possible to stay unreceived, to be in a state of giving once you open your mouth in conversation and family and friends? Yeah, you can get quite good at that. And How is that accomplished? Well, it's accomplished by just repetition, continue to do it. But it's, it, you'll notice the way as you do that, as you begin to receive, you'll notice your mind keeps adding on things to it. I like it, I don't like it, it's good, they shouldn't do that, they shouldn't talk that way. Uh, but I'm just going to receive little mini lectures in the background, back somewhere in the below, probably. I'm just going to receive this. The lecture is extra. And as long as there's some kind of a trying to get to be different than you are, you have to see what it is. This is why there, nothing has to be corrected. Sure, the hell feels like it, though, doesn't it? It's like something that feels like things just suck and somebody's got to fix this shit. Maybe I should get a therapist. Maybe you should see a psychiatrist. Maybe you should take drugs. Medical marijuana. And I'm not here to say you shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not here to say you shouldn't do uh, any any of that. I, I don't really know. All I know is what seems to be really important for anyone who considers themselves uh, very close to the mind or kind of a student of mind or wherever you happen to be in whatever spectrum is going on for you, because I don't have a spectrum. That's not a claim, like, ugh, I don't know, spectrum. Just saying that that's how it looks to me. You can, you can do anything. Anything it does is what it does. And it's not, uh, not separate, not objecting, not agreeing. Not looking away. It's passion, aggression, ignorance. John from North Carolina has a question. John. Yes. How do we use conventions and relative truth in daily life without getting caught up in them? You only have to see that you're caught. You don't have to get uncaught or pre prevent yourself from being caught. If you do that, that throws up more smoke, and then the ego mind starts to get take credit for getting better. It's just a, it's a subtle, irritating thing that the ego, the self-centered mind does. But if you just watch without doing anything, then there can be kind of an embarrassment in the ego area that feels like, I gotta do something about this. What if other people know how self-centered I am? 
What if other people find that? You know, there are very variations of that. Go ahead. And so, John, uh, directly to you, I'd say, sit a lot, spend a lot of time on the cushion, look at the wall, don't add, don't subtract, don't divide, don't do anything with it. Just watch what comes and goes. It'll be your diaphragm, uh, tinnitus in your ears, or the train going down the road, or a cat outside the window trying to find its owner. Could be anything coming, going. Just just observe. And, and notice, when you do just observe, notice that there's kind of a spontaneous commentary that'll come up. And you don't have to do anything with that, but just watch it. But if you watch it, it, it loses it. It only gets energy from being ignored or from being uh, there's, uh, ignorance or from being validated, passion. That's because of it. Well, the reason I'm doing that is or by being uh, some kind of aggression coming out. I've got to stop doing that. I have to do that. That's, I'm done with that. I'm not going to do that anymore. Just going to be aware. So, yes. Um, in the context of not knowing, um, when I'm observing what's moving, knowing seems to just emanate. It's just the um, the movement of making sense of what's moving. And then I take the concept of not knowing, and then I'm trying to not know the thing that I know. So, how can I receive the space of not knowing without using concepts to make war with it? The practice. You're, you're already doing that to some extent. Just do, do more. You don't have to do it in line with the Sangha. It should be some. Sangha is very important. I can't stress in my many decades of doing this. I can't stress how important that, that was to my practice. I wasn't able to sit in front of my teacher only a few times and actually ask direct questions. So Sangha is important. And the other thing is Perhaps on your own, you might want to do some block sitting on your own. You know, I mean, it might be three in the morning. It might be, it could be any time, but some kind of extended sitting. It's different for everyone. It's, when I say it's different, I'm just saying one person sitting three or four hours and another person sitting three, three or four different kinds, different kinds of, of aspiration, different kinds of, of delusion, different kinds of consciousness or awareness is operating in so many different ways. And so we have to we have, we have to receive that. If you, if you can really receive what's happening inside of you, and when I say inside, I mean say in your mind, coming and going and fussing around, just then then you get to you can do that with others. But if you haven't, haven't made friends here, in this area here, if you haven't made friends with this, give yourself a break. You can spend the next 30 years just being upset with yourself uh, but not being able to do something else or be somebody else. We're, we're going to, as uh, Trump Jay once said in the shortest talk I ever heard him give, uh, he came in, sat down in front of I don't know how many of us were there, 30 or 40 people, 50 in Boulder. And uh, he said, be genuine. He waited a long time, they said, be genuine. Then he got up and left. And everybody thought, just talk the word. That's all he said. And I just made that up. He didn't do that at all. Yes. Um, the difficulty for me is. Um, one of the difficulties is, is I am actually, I feel like I'm a very good friend of myself. I'm not, so when I see something that I know, I feel really good about it. And the not knowing is like, um, I go, okay, I'm the not knowing, but then there's that little voice that says, but you know. So um, I guess that's my difficulty is that certainty that I do know. Mm-hmm. It's just so rock hard. Um, I have difficulty seeing the not knowing in it. You want me to help you with that? I would. That's pride. Just, 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 just showing up in a very, uh, very obvious way. It's obvious to you. You're telling me about it. I can see it. I can see. All I have to do is talk to you for a few minutes to find out what's happening with you. Not because I'm a mind reader, just because uh, I don't have any mind in the conventional sense. So therefore, when and I, I don't see separate other people. I see myself all the time, everywhere. That's why I say, just just keep looking. Just don't give up. Just keep going. And don't accept. Don't reject. Don't look away. And that, that will slowly uh, de, decommission or pull a few lines out of the, the uh, elaboration, which is the self, me and I, I know. I feel like I know. I feel like I'm, this is it's pride. But it's not a feeling like a puffed up kind of thing. It's, it gets more and more and more subtle. Uh, in the Chara teaching, which we would be too much to go into that today, but I don't mind having questions about it. There's the first five sense consciousness, nerve endings there, and then there's the nerve endings in the sixth, which is the mind or the thinking process, that mechanical thing that's receiving 
thoughts, and there's a subconsciousness, which is the paranoid part of the mind, which is trying to protect some kind of person who is somebody. And then there's a, a eighth consciousness, which is the storehouse of all the elaborations that have been going on for centuries and centuries, which you are have a direct line to all of that because goes way off in the darkness. But if one thing is triggered here, that thing is in the darkness from the 13th century will show up here immediately. And you won't know it other than you'll just think you're having a feeling about something. It's just a way of talking about it. it we don't, might not be that way at all. Be some other way. What is making friends with yourself without pride? Find out. It's a very good question. And I, I hesitate to, to say too much about that because I, I really think that if you can ask that question in sincerity, which I think you are, I don't feel insincerity happening there at all. But then find out what that is because it's a little, it's like a little sheet of of shiny tinfoil that comes out of nowhere and just stops you from seeing what that is. Just keep looking. Don't give up. You often say don't do anything unless you have to. Isn't that great? <laughs> I like to say that. You also, along those lines, don't... Um, Because nothing lasts, you will eventually 
see what that, it'll start to show its backside to you. You'll be able to see the, the big structure of that because you're no longer at war with it. No longer at war, then, then you begin to, to use the image of war a little further. You begin to see all the troops. You see all the, the, all the hidden areas of that whole situation that, that are, are been giving you trouble, yes. When you're enlightened, does the nature of the thoughts change? Um, the, the way this is a, a way that's traditionally talked about, it's like the thoughts without a thinker. There's no one producing anything anymore. But no one's producing. Um, you know, the, I'm looking at the, at the computer. I'm looking at people. I'm not particularly producing that. So, but I'm giving everything my attention. I'm receiving whatever's coming this way in terms of light, space, smell, touch, hearing. And same thing with thoughts. Thoughts just come, they, but they're, they're not coming from someone. So in that way, they uh, even the most negative kind of thought or emotion, I'm not saying it doesn't feel like, Whoa. let me do that again, Whoa. I'm saying it doesn't feel like crap, but it's not happening. It might be happening, it might be a, a, a form that's kind of having a reaction to it, but there's no addition on, like, this shouldn't be happening, this should be happening, and the reason this is happening is because of that person or this person, even though that person actually is doing something, that acting and saying something that is triggering things in your uh, emotional uh, thinking complex, we call the consciousness of the mind, or all the contraption that's going on, and the, uh, all the eight consciousnesses, that whole situation that is described in that way, and the, the five skandhas, and the, and the six realms, and the the 12 links in the chain of existence and on and on, that that situation is happening, but it's not happening to a person. Yes? How is that different than, how is no, no person there in the thoughts just going up through different than ignoring or aggression? How, how is it? It's different because you're, you're aware, there, there's awareness, or everything is, without an includer, everything is included. So the practice is to include and not conclude. Don't come to any conclusions about anything. Opinions are worthless. They're, 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 they're just something that people used to lean on as they, they commence to, uh, to perpetrate war and peace on everybody. And I mean war and peace. Yes? When the actual content of those doesn't seem to sway you as much, but yeah. more the reaction to even having it mm -hmm. does, what do you do with that? Nothing. Nothing. Just, you, just, you just said your awareness. Your awareness is, uh, is, is uh, abandoning what is happening in order to form it into words. And, and that, that will happen in that way until you see there's no one forming anything. There is no one to form. Things form, and this is why this, uh, these vows are so important. People say, well, I'm not going to do that. And they shouldn't. Well, if you, unless you feel like you should do it, you're not ready for it. So that's why I don't sell anything to anyone. I mean, yes. And then within that, there becomes a terror, that a feeling of terror that arises with that loss of connection. Do nothing with that as well? Um, do nothing with it, but the, the terror is just, it's just you're just getting close to the, the, the consciousness, the awareness is starting to see what is fundamentally real, which is not separate. And that's terrifying to ego, the self-centeredness. Uh, wants to, uh, yeah, I think we're going too far here. I, you know, I have people occasionally, because I'm very um, in my own way, I think I'm actually softy, but I can be very aggressive with people and very uh, invasive into people. But I don't do it unless they give me permission, but sometimes they, they really didn't give me permission. They want to be a person who gives permission. They haven't actually given me permission to help them. So therefore, they're, they have some kind of Thing going on. And if I sometimes if I go through that uh, or further than they think I should be going, then they, rather than actually witness the discomfort and the terror and see it as a teaching, as a Dharma gate, I'm not taking anybody's money or, or crossing any boundary into anybody's territory at all. But people, people think that I am. Like you could you could you could take that terror and and with a very slight switch, I'm not saying you will, but you could, and turn it into I'm doing this to you. I'm taking you down. I'm this is a cult. I'm getting out of here. It could be done. And what I would say, as a, as a, your functioning as your teacher, I would say, don't do anything with it. Don't get rid of it. 
don't accept it. I don't never tell anybody to accept anything. You don't have to accept anything. Don't reject it. You don't have to reject anything. Don't look away from it. Nothing lasts. And the very terror that we're terrorized by, it actually starts to crinkle. It's, it's like watching a piece of paper that's been, that the fire of awareness has touched that and it just starts to go up in smoke. It's just like everything's an illusion. Everything's illusory. It doesn't mean it isn't solid. It's, that's, that's the illusion. That's an illusion. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. How does one give you permission? What, is, what does that look like? It's different for everyone. I know what you're talking. I know what you're asking, but I'm saying it's different. You know, it's a, I've had people actually ask me for uh, jukai and precepts, and, and you know, I, I'm, you know, if they do it enough, eventually I will say yes. But sometimes people ask me, and I, I know they're not totally on board on this. They're just doing the best they can, and sometimes people freak out and, and then they stop. And because they're, they're you know, afraid or, or they're, a lot of times that fear turns into, when you get rid of the fear is to start to blame somebody for what's happening. And then, you know, oh, it's because they're, you know, had somebody come up uh, a while back and say, I, you know, I don't want to be, I don't want you to be my teacher anymore. In an interview, they did it very formally. Yes, good. Uh, how, how do we get through the ignorance, our own ignorance about, um, our true willingness, our actual willingness to give permission and to go as far as a great question. I, I would say that you can't ask that question unless you're already working with it. But just keep going. It might not feel like progress, but progress in this path is not is not mundane progress, like getting better and getting more and more sane and more and more clear. A little bit of that. Quite often, what happens with people is they start to feel worse, but they start to act better. They start to feel. Because they're, they're no longer hiding hiding from their own negativity that may be them and may be triggered by others. But, they, but even though they might feel terrible, they might even be in their in their mind, might be just really upset with somebody else. But still, uh, they're still going to be respectful about it. They're going to do their best to not let that, because they have kind of an inclination or an inkling that maybe they're making some of this up. So they're not really going to dump it on the other person. But as soon as they say that, then uh, the self-centered mind comes back and says, oh, no, you're, you're not making this up. This is true. You need to do something about this. Uh, the ego is relentless. It's like uh, uh, the Vajrayana Universal Tension said the, said the uh, samsara is notorious for being without end. Samsara, the wheel of life and death, life and death. Samsara is notorious. I don't know if he thought it up or somebody else. It doesn't matter. It's it's just like if you really see what this is, you see the you have to see that it, it is an illusion. It's unreal. Go look in the mirror. <laughs> if you look in the mirror, you say you can actually look and say, where did where did this come from? Who who, who did this? And what I'm putting on uh, my eyeliner, which I don't for Dharma talks, but rest of time, right in there. But when I'm decorating or dressing or putting on my rocks and adjusting my buttons and see, making sure my wings are out properly so I look like a samurai. We're decorating empty space. We're actually moving things around in, in the emptiness. Some some uh, painters, some people who work with that, uh, or musicians, some people who are working with that kind of auditory space are have some kind of understanding about that, that they're able to, to take the phenomena that arises and move it around in such a way that it expresses the ultimate nature of the very physicality that is appearing there. It's an astonishing thing. To, we were just there in New York looking at uh, paintings that are just just astonishing. And the, the people, their lives may have been pretty crummy in some way or difficult, but they they separated that out and they just worked very hard on one particular thing. They worked some visual magic or some auditory magic or... Back to the permission thing again. Is it? Do you sense then? Did you give me permission? Yes or no? Yes. Yeah. What else do you need to know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I just like with you or with Bruno or Rusheen or, or Gary or anyone else. I just I do my best, you know, uh, to meet each person where they're at. And you know, it isn't like you're all monks in this monastery. And, you know, you have to do everything at a certain time, there's a certain schedule, and you better do it, you're told, kind of thing. No, we're in, we're in a situation where I have a Tibetan teacher and I have a Zen master that are both dead. 
and I learned something from both of them. And that's why this is kind of a hybrid thing because I haven't gone anywhere. I spent all my time doing this. And so here we are in the Midwest. Very little of this happened to your song, but very little. So we just do the best we can. I don't feel like correcting anyone. Everyone's doing what they need to do. Uh, even even the person I was saying that left a lot, he's doing, you know, I I, I feel kind of sad. I probably could have helped him. He, he had to stay around and take his medicine, so to speak. You know, but um, he couldn't do it. And so I respect that. Not really, not ready for this. And not that he did something wrong or he needs to go find another teacher. Or any of that. It doesn't matter what he does. But he was very, the best thing about it, he's very, appeared very clear that has to do with his pride also. He came in, sat down, bowed, says, I can't be your student anymore. I said, give me the rock suit. Without any, I didn't have to ask him why or anything. I already knew what was happening with him. And he had it with him right there. He was going to ask for it. He handed the rock suit back. So it doesn't happen very often. But some people are, you know, wired differently. And uh, it Is it the ego that's asking permission? To begin with, yeah. Of course it is. But then... But there's some kind of uh, there's some kind of the mind of enlightenment. There's bodhicitta. You wouldn't even be in this room if, if there weren't some kind of some kind of connection to this teaching that goes back way past this life. Wouldn't be here. So you're here, but then how you work with what's here, how you're how you're able to do this is so different with each person. Some some people I see all the time. I hear from all the time. Other people I hear from rarely, once in a while. There are people. That I've met here that are, you know, three miles away, they're not here right now. I think about them. I don't forget anyone. I forget everything else all the time. But I, I don't forget people who have asked me to function as a teacher. So, no matter where they're at, even the fellow who returned his rock suit, he's a student of mine too. Mm -hmm. He just doesn't know it. He'll know it when this person's gone and when he is challenged by his life, then he'll, he'll have some flashes of that. Karen? Uh and uh, you were talking about how um, sometimes people, as they're doing their work, they have a little bit more, they might feel more riled up or confused, but they start acting. They recognize, oh, this might be more of my problem than I can see right now, so I'm going to act as if. Um, so if that's happening all the time and you're always re-examining yourself and not, na not naming, i.e. not knowing, how how can you be genuine? What I, you can, I... the question is great. The question tells me, just like uh, Jim's question, it just tells me that you're you're looking in the right place. Just like with uh, with uh, Tayo's question, it, it, it tells me. I'm not saying you're comfortable, but you're looking in the right place. And the only thing I would say to, to anyone in here, sit more. If you can if you can find some time to find a way to trick yourself into it, coax yourself into it. Always sit right after you take, put your toothbrush back in a rack. That's what sit. So you tie it into something that happens every day. And, and, it, and it doesn't matter if you sit. Of course, I want you to sit for four or five hours. But, but in another sense, because everyone's so different, it doesn't matter. Some people are just going to do that. Some people sit a lot. Some people don't sit much. It's not, it's not a matter of, uh, well, nobody needs to really meditate. Yes, they do. If I could, if I could get you all to, to, if I could get you all to do it, where you couldn't make an offer you can't refuse. So mm -hmm. mafioso, yeah. the Buddhist mafioso. Mm -hmm. And I'm done, so does so. Not really, but if I could, I would say, you want to know what you need to do? You need to come and live at the monastery. You come, come and live someplace where there's a strong form, where there's six and a half hours of scheduled sitting meditation. I'm not saying you have to do the whole six hours, but just to be near something like that, like the people that are, possibly there's a few people at the monastery that are watching this talk or listening to it. People have been there for a long period of time know that how, how important that is to have an actual structure for our crazy society, you know, that is drawing us in and drawing us into this. And, you know, we get swamped by our jobs, swamped by our relationships, swamped by our, our, our families and our obligations and our bills. We go on and on about it. To have a really strong situation, to have a strong sangha, this is why, why I've set it up so that we study, what, eight hours a week. Every day we study for an hour. Um, usually ends up being an hour and a half. And, um, and with Sangha, it's not important to understand what you're studying. You, know, you can understand some of it, but it's not about 
understanding what it is about a Sangha, people all with the same, with the same teacher, mainly, not always, but somewhat, and with the Buddhist teaching of everything is dependently arisen. There's no single set. That's his basic, when he realizes his basic thing that he said, there isn't a separate being anywhere. And everyone, and what he saw is everyone is awake, they just don't know it. He saw awakening here. What an astonishing thing for a man 2,500 years ago in an ancient culture. And the culture, I have to say, actually what did have a spiritual dynamic to it. Ancient India as it still does somewhat today. So there's nothing to correct. There's not the one person to the higher practitioner. Even, even the person who gave back the rocks who's still doing what he's doing what he needs to do. If he's not, not ready for someone to mock him, which is what I did. And a few other people in the Sangha kind of did a little bit of that. But it wasn't, wasn't intended to hurt him. It was intended to help him see what was happening with him. And uh, painful, they left. Further questions?